0: You're listening to Life in the A Zone podcast. I'm Peggy Sweeney McDonald, and these are my stories of moving back to my hometown in Louisiana after 36 years to live with my father and mother when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. These lessons of love, laughter, life, and loss are gifts of living in the A Zone, and I'm honored to share them with you. If this is your first time here, Begin the journey with Episode 1 and go forward. Thank you for joining me today. I drink my coffee in the living room, reading my inspirational prayer and meditation books. I'm grateful for the morning me time before everyone else wakes up. I hear the master bedroom door open, close, and slow shuffling down the hall. I'm waiting for today's fashion show. Here she comes. My mother steps into the living room, and I observe the mix-matched outfit she has selected for today. Navy blue pants, inside out, black and white check top, a metallic gold sweater coat, and, of course, the purse. She carries the old black purse everywhere she goes, even in the house, it overflows with brushes, socks, winter gloves, rosary beads, half eaten candy bars, angels, lipsticks, powder, eyeshadow, tissues, and anything else she may need for the day. Last Christmas, I bought her a beautiful new black purse, and she loved it on Christmas morning. I transferred all her stuff into the new purse. But days later, she was back to using the old purse. The new black purse is now in my closet. One day, I will use it. Maybe. She waddles across the living room and sits next to me on the sofa in her spot, all dolled up. The blank stare. The cherry on top. Good morning, Mom. Don't say anything about her outfit, I tell myself. It's not worth the fight. I think about how my nieces will be embarrassed if she shows up dressed like this to Grandparents' Day at their school later this morning. This isn't my mother anymore, I tell myself. She was always beautifully dressed and matchy-match like most Southern women. She shopped at upscale stores, and her closet is packed with beautiful clothes and boxes of lovely shoes and purses lined up to match her outfits on the top shelf. Now she wears the same clothes over and over in different weird combinations. Sometimes she wears the same outfit for days at a time. She sleeps in her clothes now, too. I have encouraged her to wear her pretty nightgowns to bed, but she refuses, so I gave up. Her matching gowns and robes just hang in her closet, collecting dust. For our girls-only Megan and Harry early morning royal wedding watch breakfast— My youngest sister, Kelly, gave her the cutest pink and white striped Kate Spade pajamas with matching slippers and a pink and white fascinator hat. We woke up at 5.30 a.m. and drove to our friend Catherine's house for 6.30 a.m. Catherine, the hostess with the mostest, served up shrimp and grits with homemade biscuits. Mimosas and champagne flowed throughout the celebration— For dessert, we enjoyed a small wedding cake with fresh raspberries. We laughed and cried watching the beautiful wedding. Mom and her pretty pink PJs loved every minute of the royal wedding gathering. Our local newspaper sent a reporter and a photographer to cover the party for the society section. The newspaper clipping sits in my bedroom, and the pretty pajamas now hang in her closet. Cherished memories of a special day. Kelly recently told me she would like the pretty PJs back if Mom isn't going to wear them. I was hoping I could snag them, but then I remembered they need to be ironed after washing. What are we doing today, she asked. It's Grandparents' Day at St. George for Izzy and Jillian. Is it time to go? Not quite, Mom. I look at the time on the television cable box. It's only 7.30 a.m., and Grandparents' Day begins at 10.30. How will we fill in the next three hours? This is why they call a day with an Alzheimer's patient the 36-hour day. I'm grateful she has a place to go today. The worst days are when there isn't anything planned. I walk to the kitchen and pour her coffee in a pink ceramic cup, the last cup left from the pink china set she had years ago. Adding powdered cream and sugar to her coffee, I shake my head. I recently asked her when she started taking her coffee with sugar and cream. I never drank black coffee, she said defensively, and I dropped the subject. I find this very strange, as my mother always drank her coffee black. I told Jimmy that night as we brushed our teeth standing side by side at the double sink in our bathroom upstairs. I remember her staying up late at night, watching the Johnny Carson show, smoking her daily cigarette and drinking black microwave coffee left over from breakfast, he says, laughing. Early in our marriage, Jimmy and my mother were night owls together. Whenever we visited my parents, they would stay up watching late-night television, drinking coffee, and smoking cigarettes long after Dad and I had retired to bed. It was their bonding time. She loved Jimmy's smart-ass sense of humor and his off-color language. Jimmy was the one who taught her to curse, shocking us all the first time we heard her. She quit smoking years ago, and Jimmy soon followed except for his daily happy-hour cigar. I guess Mom stopped drinking her coffee black years ago, too. How did I not notice? I can't find my lipsticks, Peggy. Did you take them? She is digging through her purse. She asks the same question every day. She tells my father that she thinks I'm stealing her stuff. One day, Jimmy found her upstairs in our bedroom, going through our dresser drawers. He asked her if he could help her find something. She just looked at him blankly and walked downstairs. After setting her coffee on the side table, I lean over to kiss her and notice there is clearly a red marker drawn on her eyebrows. Where did that come from? No, Mom, I don't have your lipsticks, but I'm sure we can find them. Let's go fix your hair and makeup. No, I don't need you to help me. I already did my own. Defeated, I walked to the kitchen to fix her breakfast. I don't ask her anymore. I just fix it and bring it to her, hoping she will eat at least a few bites. Mom is losing weight. Her clothes are starting to hang on her. The only thing she seems to have an appetite for these days is sweets. I pull out frozen waffles, butter, blueberry jam, and an overripe banana. I'm grateful to be able to do this small task to help her. The waffle pops up too soon, so I toast it again. We like our waffles golden brown. As I butter her waffle, I toast two more for me. I spread the jam, add slices of bananas on the side, and then cut the waffle into little pieces like you would for a small child. I pull out a tray from the top of the refrigerator. I pour orange juice in a small rocks glass. I wish we still had the cute juice glasses we grew up with back in the 60s. Maybe it would trigger a memory. I love it when she tells me old stories, and I marvel that her brain can remember the past so vividly, but not five minutes ago. Taking her meds out of the daily medicine case, I place them in a teeny bowl on the tray. Maybe she will take them. Maybe she won't. It's a crapshoot. We sometimes find the pills in the sofa cushions, inside magazines, in her bathroom drawers, on the floor, and in the garbage can. Mom, you have to take your pills. Why are you throwing them away? I didn't throw them away. You take them. It escalates from there and leads to nasty fights. One day we may stop fighting. The pills aren't helping anyway. She isn't getting better, so what's the frickin' point? I carry our breakfast to the living room and put the tray on her lap. She takes a bite and thanks me. I take my plate off the tray and sit back on the sofa next to her and dig in. One waffle for her, two for me. We watch the morning local news and eat our waffles in silence. I never knew a frozen waffle could taste so good. This is my prize for being a caregiver. The days of protein drinks and morning power walks are rare now. Give me carbs, fat, and sugar. Today she takes her pills as I hand her one at a time and she swallows them with her juice. No struggle, no fight. I'm grateful for the little victory. I look for the little victories every day. The struggles each day remind me I'm not good at this. I'm not good at mothering my mother. I miss being a daughter and having her mother me. I want to wake up and find her in the kitchen cooking breakfast for me. I craved the egg in the hole she made us as children. I want to sit at our old kitchen table with my little sisters and dip the rounded-out butter-fried piece of bread in the hot, runny egg yolk. I want to hear her laughter. I want to feel her energy as she buzzed around the kitchen. I want to experience her zest for life again, even for a moment. I want to feel my mama's love. I need to feel my mama's love desperately. I wonder when I started calling her mom instead of mama. I notice my three sisters call her mom now, too. We always called her mama. Did that change when we got older? Or did it change when she became someone we no longer recognize? I know my mama is still there. I want to find her again. I want to scream, come back, please. I need you. I need you to help me navigate this journey. I'm failing daily. I want her to go to her well-stocked medicine cabinet and put a Band-Aid on my emotional scrapes and burns. But there isn't one big enough to put over my aching heart. It's time to go. We're going to be late, she says to me. The anxiety is starting to build for her and for me. This will be her mantra for the next two hours. I look down and notice she has two different shoes on, one orange flat shoe and a black loafer. I strategize how I can convince her to change clothes and shoes before we leave without a fight. I say the serenity prayer in my head. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The problem is I don't know what I can change. Each day is different, and I have no courage. I have no wisdom. I feel helpless and empty. As I walked back to the kitchen with the tray, I stuff the rest of her waffle into my mouth, dragging my finger across the plate for the leftover blueberry jam and licked the dredges off my finger. Sugar, a pacifier... For my pain. Mom, do you want to color? Sure. We sit at the kitchen table and both begin coloring in adult coloring books. We love it, it passes the time. You don't have to think. It's like a meditation of color. (laughs) We have a large plastic Ziploc bag of markers and another one of crayons. She is much better at coloring than I am. She stays in the lines. She takes her time. The sun pours through the kitchen blinds, and we work diligently, side by side, coloring our pictures of flowers. Whoever had the brilliant idea of adult coloring books must have had a parent with Alzheimer's. I have another adult coloring book with Scenes of New York. I don't know where it is now. It disappeared with her makeup. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I colored a taxi cab and she colored a hot dog stand. It made me want to go back to New York to happier times. Sherry, are you ready to go? Dad says as he comes into the kitchen. Where are we going? Grandparents' day. Oh, that's right. Mom, let's go get dressed. And miraculously, she follows me to the bedroom and lets me help her change into another outfit. When she takes her mixed match shoes off, I grab the matching shoe, throwing the other one into the closet. I brush her hair and wipe the red whatever off her eyebrows. I guess it was a lipstick pencil. Thank God it wasn't a marker. Y'all have fun. Tell Izzy and Jillian hi from me. And off they go to Grandparents' Day. Mom loves Grandparents' Day. She loves children. She loves her grandkids. I know this event will make her happy. I hope it lasts the rest of the day and throughout the weekend. Tell Peggy about the little girl in Jillian's class, Dad says when they arrive home. Oh, Peggy, this pretty little girl was all by herself sitting with the teacher. She looks so sad. I asked Jillian, where is her grandmother? She told me she didn't come. I went over to the little girl and gave her a big hug and told her to come sit with us, and she did. She was just precious. That was so sweet, Mom. You always have so much love to give. What are y'all doing tonight, Dad? We are meeting Aaron and Scott at the Chimes. Y'all are welcome to join us for dinner. That sounds great. Let me check with Jimmy. Soon, we're pulling out of the driveway, heading to the Chimes restaurant. This is Aaron's weekend to spend time with Mom and Dad. My sisters each take a weekend, so every three weeks they plan activities with Mom and Dad. Well, mainly for Mom. They decided Jimmy and I need a break, and Dad needs a break on Saturdays during the day. This usually means they have dinner with them on Friday and Saturday evenings. And on Saturday during the day, they take Mom for Manny Petty, shopping, running errands, lunch, or just pick her up and take her to their house to hang out. Jimmy and I don't have anything planned tonight, and dinner at the Chime sounded fun. We have to wait 30 minutes as it's packed on Friday nights. It's a casual restaurant with great food, from burgers to seafood. We finally get seated and order dinner, I look at my cell phone and find a text from my friend Sarah B., who is an amazing bluesy piano player and singer. She's playing tonight at 8 p.m. right down the street at a bar with a nice courtyard. Jimmy, Sarah B. is playing tonight at Bottle and Tap. Really? Let's go after dinner. Where are y'all going? Scott, my brother-in-law, asks us. To hear music. We should all go. It's down the street. Y'all would love Sarah B. She is fantastic. Dad, do you and Mom want to go hear some music? My friend Sarah B. is in town. That sounds good. Jimmy's driving, so I can have an after-dinner drink. My niece Brennan and her boyfriend Mitch are also with us, and they want to join us, too. It's a party. Sarah B. has driven over with her van from Mississippi. I met her at an event at the Sundance Film Festival in Park City a couple of years ago. Whenever she plays in Baton Rouge or New Orleans, she always lets me know. As we walk into the courtyard of the bar, Sarah sees me and comes over to say hello. She is so happy we came. I introduce her to everyone. She knows about Mom and gives her a big hug. We snag a great table right in front of the stage, and everyone orders drinks. Soon, her band begins playing. My family is blown away with how talented she is. Aaron and I grab Mom, and we dance in front of the stage. Scott is taking pictures with his cell phone. Jimmy smokes a cigar, and Dad sips his whiskey, smiling. He is grateful Mom is having fun. It's like old times. Mom has her zest for life again. It's invigorating and makes my heart sing. Peggy, this one is for your parents, Sarah B. says from the stage. And starts singing the Willie Nelson song, You Are Always On My Mind. Dad, dance with Mom. He stands up and grabs her hand, and they walk to the front of the stage and begin slow dancing. Soon they are swaying with their eyes closed. He is tall and Mom is short, so he has his chin resting on her forehead. Tender hearted, loving, and dancing under the moonlight. It's a magical moment. Aaron and I look at each other and start crying. I stand up and take a video and pictures with my cell phone. Enough with the pictures, Peggy. Dance with me, Jimmy says, and we dance next to my parents. Music is the universal language, the language of the heart. My mom has always loved to sing and dance. None of the Sweeney girls are shy when it comes to dancing. And I think we learned it from her. When I dance, I feel free, lighthearted, and my spirit soars. I think my mom feels like that, too. Later that night, I watched the video laying in bed and then texted and the pictures of mom and dad to my sisters and my friend Carmen in L.A. Aw, so wonderful. Love birds. Too sweet. Beautiful. They all text back. The next day, I text my sisters. We should plan outings for Mom and Dad with music. I think it's healing for Mom. We all scramble to find restaurants with music, and soon every Friday, they are heading to a restaurant with a band. Shannon gets tickets for musicals at Theater Baton Rouge, and Kelly brings them to the Baton Rouge Symphony and the Baton Rouge Ballet. On each occasion, Mom is happy. Mom is our mom again, at least for the night. I wish we could bottle the magic of music and pour it into her coffee. These are the moments we will cherish, the moments that outweigh the bad ones. My friend Carmen printed the picture of Mom and Dad dancing that night and framed it in a white wooden heart frame. She had to trim the picture to fit the frame. She is crafty and added pearls to the front of the frame and cut out their entwined hands and glued it to the front. She sent it to me for my birthday. When I look at that picture, I hear the music with Sarah B. singing and I see my parents dancing under the moonlight. They look so in love. They looked so happy. Their eyes closed, remembering the good times. Their hands entwined, holding on to the love that will live forever. Thank you for joining me for Life in the A Zone. Look for new episodes each Wednesday. Please share, subscribe, like, comment, and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To join my mailing list, go to lifeinthea-zone.com and check out my best-selling book, Meanwhile, Back at Café Dumont, Life Stories About Food, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble.